0: Okay, let's do
1: this. Fuck. Thing. All right. My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 151 of CinePunks. CinePunks! Today on the show, we have a special guest, Willow Brazick from the band Snowing and Other Things, Citizen
2: of the World, as I've been corrected earlier. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Willow. Thank you all for having me. I am so excited to be here. We're so stoked to have you. Just saying.
0: Yeah, we I mean, I we've been talking about this for for a little bit and for me it was like um, you know, not just because you, like let's be honest, like people know who you are because of snowing and snowing's like a big deal. Uh but for me it was like fellow nerd. Like I just feel like uh, a fe- fellow spirit who who loves not just movies but other nerdy stuff. And one of the things that I see you do that I think is super cool is uh, going and checking out roller coasters, and 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 making your uh, now are you rev- are you reviewing the coasters? And do you have a system of review for the? Is this a is this a is there a systematic thing to this? Or are you just giving your feelings on the coasters? Talk to me about the coaster thing. <laughs>
2: I didn't think this would come up but thank you for uh, I'll plug my Instagram later I guess plug it uh, out some people know. coaster punks love it that that is it I'm yeah weird spelling huh I may have just heard so that you know you accidentally <laughs>
1: Ending it with the X? Not as cool as you'll think it was right when you started. Just so you know, I have a hunch about that.
2: The, the hey, only reason saying, I'll defend. Not cool yeah. Anyway. So I mean, it's fine.
0: I, the only reason I, I'll defend ours, Josh, is that there were other accounts called
1: Pks with a KS, but I didn't mm-hmm. find that out till later. Right, right. Well, well they're huh. probably done now anyway. That's none of our business, you know yeah, That's
2: right. But that's go fair. on, Willow. <laughs> Tell us about coaster punks. Yeah, sure. Uh, I love roller coasters. I I feel like since, like, I always want to say, like, since COVID has ended, it's not over. Uh, mm-hmm. But since we've been able to have real lives and go do things again, I've just been, like, really stoked on going to, like, amusement parks and traveling with my partner and riding roller coasters. I guess I review them. I don't really give scores. I just kind of talk okay. about them. That's I what I wasn't them. sure. I've, I've seen yeah. your posts, but I was
0: like, I don't know if there's a place later where there's, like, an official review. I will say if you wanted if you wanted to write about roller coasters on a certain website uh, spelled C I N A P U N X, we would be all for that because uh, one of the things that me and Josh have talked about before like are in with. Um, having a conversation about culture started with movies, but our interests don't end with movies. And when people have an interest that they're willing to explore and then tell other people about that in and of itself is interesting to me. Like straight up, if I wasn't writing about movies, I'd probably like one of the things I thought about doing when I was still living in the Lehigh Valley, a place that I know you're familiar with was um, when, and I'm sure you've experienced this too. When you take back roads from the lehigh valley to philadelphia you pass a variety of places that usually have like in in the name or family diner in the name or something like that and so for a long time i was like if blogs were still a thing i would be blogging about all these places like i would go to every blah blah country inn or blah blah family diner or whatever just every one of these places which range from like a building that looks like it was built in 1700 to uh burger joint that seems like it was thrown up in 1965 and hasn't been updated since then and I would write about them I would talk about all the atmosphere and the food and what I, that would be so cool because what I like about that is the interest so the idea that you have an account where you're pursuing a passion for roller coasters that in and of itself is cool and I also like roller coasters but even if I didn't I would think that was cool which maybe makes me a giant nerd maybe that's part <laughs> of me
1: being a nerd
2: are both you yeah
1: thrill seeker people is this what this roller coaster business because i'll tell you right now fuck a roller coaster you that know how many right? times <laughs> oh my god we went to me and we were in florida and we had to we did the um the what was it called the twin dragons john at the harry potter thing in universal and guess who was standing there drinking butterbeer holding a purse wasn't Melani? because your boy doesn't do roller coasters no no sir no thank you Oh, and then we really had to go a... in the Hulk one. Oh, and my <laughs> head was bobbling around in the Hulk John. I thought my glass, and as soon as we stepped off, I, I walked right to the trash can
2: because I thought I was going to yak. <laughs> Willow, what were you going to say? <laughs> well, now that Josh said that, actually, this like dovetails with my story. Uh, I'm not really a thrill seeker other than that. Like, it like baffles my partner because otherwise I'm so like careful sure. yeah. and i don't yeah. really take risks i think it's just like a thing where like i can let loose a little bit i don't know i think it has do to do with like break one goals oh i do it's it, called it, fury 325 i just wrote it for the first time
1: where is that
2: it's in charlotte north carolina <laughs> It's, it's huge. It's like the tallest one in the United States that has a lift hill. I can't believe I'm talking about this on
0: a podcast. No, why? It's so
2: cool. Yeah, okay, this is the you. cool stuff. But go on. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, like, I saw someone for the first time ever, you know, like in a movie or a TV show, someone will go on a roller coaster and get off and like yak like into a garbage can sure, like yeah. immediately. Yeah. Uh-huh. I saw that happen in person for the very first time and i was like thrilled and this was like two weeks ago um there's like a, there's a roller coaster in richmond at king's dominion called intimidator 305 uh, yeah yes it's there, themed after dale, dale earnhardt <laughs> um this is a great story front to back so i went with like one of my best friends her name's christine um she also likes roller coasters but not like as much as me um it's like notoriously very intense like it's super tall and the first turn is like really sharp uh and like it's notorious for people like blacking out during it um which like happened to me like i went like g-forces yeah like blood rushing out of your brain essentially so like that doesn't really happen to me otherwise it happens to like you know people's brains and heads heads (laughs) people's bodies are different they like will black out or gray out on different things um but it never happens to me and it finally happened to me and my friend when we got off she's like i can't do that again that was terrifying and i was like are you serious that was like the coolest thing i've ever been on like i'm doing that again um and then i saw the man throw up immediately after getting off like a movie um and then i rewrote it i went right back on and i ended up sitting with like a super drunk man um who i found out was drunk after we were fastened in so i was like cool don't throw up on me um but he, said, he was talking to me about blacking out, and he's just like, "Oh, I, I don't black out when I'm drunk, and I'm so drunk right now." And through the entire ride, he just kept screaming, uh, "Raise hell, praise Dale," um, which is very fitting because it's the Dale Earnhardt roller coaster. Love it uh, on so it many levels. Beautiful. This is blowing my mind right now. <laughs> it was insane, like so insane.
0: I yeah, Josh. <laughs> I I am also a, a fan of roller coasters. I'm the person who. At the point when the roller coaster is actually reaching fear levels, like it's it's going crazy enough that you might actually feel a pang of fear, my response is to laugh maniacally. I'm the guy. Uh, I do I, that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm the person laughing maniacally because I think it's so funny. Like, why are we doing this? This is crazy, and I love it. It makes me. I, I I now I have been on roller coasters that made me feel bad. Uh, at, at, you know, like it, they were too fast or they're too shaky. I hit my head on something that sort of vibe. Uh, and so it's not like a universal, but if I can do something that gives me a, th- the, a little bit of that fear, but I don't worry that it might actually break. Like it, in New Jersey, when I was growing up, Josh, you'll remember there's a, there's a really crappy amusement park in South Jersey called how to just go out of my head. Oh, do you know what I'm talking about, Josh? No, I don't know what you're talking about. In, in think of, it, 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 whoa. Anyways, I, it just went out of my brain. There's an amusement park in South Jersey that's really small, and they had a wooden roller coaster that was like not safe. To give you the vibe of this amusement <laughs> park, Willow, they had a log flume, and the last time I went there, uh, uh what is it? It begins with a C fuck i'm so annoyed i can't remember this but this is what happens when you get old uh i was there with my uh high school girlfriend at the time might have been just after high school and we get in the log flume and the guy goes okay so at the turn uh the second turn you're gonna want to lean to the right and i said (laughs) which turn and he goes trust me you'll know what i mean and i was like (laughs) what and it you know the thing goes up and at the second turn clementon park clementon park thank you in Clementon Park, and the second turn, there's a huge section of the log flume just fucking missing, just not <gasps> there. And water's just pouring out. And while I don't think you're going fast enough that you could fly off of this thing, I do realize that if you didn't lean to the right very heavy the way he suggested, the log would have gotten caught in the hole <gasps> in the flume. And they're still running this thing with people. Oh and I remember oh thinking... I don't trust this park to do anything safely, let alone run a fucking roller coaster. So like that sort of experience is in front for me because I believe in people's negligence. But if I can trust a ride <laughs> is like probably safe, then I can trust my feelings of it being not safe. If that makes sense. That danger feels manageable to me. Maybe
2: it's like watching a horror movie. I don't know. I think oh, I think off- it's very much the same. But I don't love horror movies, which is also super uh, weird. I like them, okay. but I, okay. I don't. I don't love them. That's okay. You don't have to love anything <laughs> on this show. That's fine. I don't like jump scares. I, yeah, it's, I, my uh, anxiety okay. like kills me before a jump scare. Jo- Josh will tell you I am the most
0: susceptible to jump scares <laughs> there is. It's I've, true. I've screamed out in a way that is not. Uh, affirming of my my courage in movies that are not horror <laughs> movies. Just if anything pops out, I'm going to go, Wah! like a crazy person because it's. I'm very all I'm susceptible saying, to
1: it. All I'm saying, Willow, is that I've ta- I've gone to the terror behind the walls at the Eastern State Penitentiary with Liam. Oh, no. Uh-huh. 100% pure fun. 100, <laughs> will- if you're not Liam, 100% pure fun.
2: I will watch- never go to one of those. Like, ever. Ever, 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 ever. I I'm guess. so scared of like in-person. This is how bad I am. I am 35 years old, and this past summer, for the first time in my life, I went through the Knoebels Haunted House with my eyes open the whole
0: time.
2: Good. good That's where I'm at. Good example.
1: Well, Willow, I threw up getting off of the L one time. Did you ever hear that story?
2: (laughs) No, but I understand. There's so many things that could trigger a vomit on there.
1: Just saying is all. Just saying. It wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's neither here nor there. Neither here nor there.
2: On this episode. (laughs) On
0: this episode, we're not discussing horror movies, but we are de- talk, discussing two movies that I would argue deal with the real life horrors of existence uh, in, oh in, in, in a very, uh, at times hilarious and yet often stark and depressing way. We're talking about two uh, uh, movies by, uh, well, written by one person, and uh, written by written by and directed by the same person. Okay, I'm getting this
1: wrong. Just say <laughs> it. Just say what we're doing.
0: Adaptation and Synecdoche, New York
1: uh charlie kaufman movies charlie is Co- all you had to say that's what we were yeah. looking for liam yeah
0: you know what it was i'm gonna say it right now so that our uh, you know our listeners know what's going on with me i kept wanting
1: to say chuck klosterman and i'm like no that's oh. wrong that's wrong. i've been telling that's everyone all week person. that we're doing andy kaufman movies <laughs> so you know that's a thing i'm okay with it though kaufman period we're good we're doing Kaufman movies, y'all. <laughs>
0: now, so, one of uh, these movies, Adaptation, I'm very familiar with. And I, w- when you picked it, Willow, I was like, okay, sure, sure, sure. But this other mm-hmm. one, Synexody, New York, was one that I had been meaning to see. And I had heard people talk about it. I would heard people rave on it. And I would heard people shit on it. And that's why I was so excited because I'm like, ooh, people can't decide if this is a great or a terrible movie. And I can't wait to find out. And I can't wait to find out what – you think about it, what Josh thinks about it, which is going to be really interesting uh, and I'm still not sure exactly what I'm going to say when we discuss it but we'll, I'm not going to spoil
1: any of that people are going to have to listen until we get to the discussion on it mm-hmm. <laughs> But who do we have to thank for this wonderful episode on Kaufman movies, Liam?
0: Oh uh, well, we obviously have to thank all of our supporters on Patreon. We just got a new one uh, today. You can go as low as a dollar a month, y'all. You can jump up to the twenty. dollars I don't think we go above twenty dollars a month. I don't know why you'd want to give us more than twenty dollars a month. Yes. That sounds crazy. <laughs> but uh, but but you know, if 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 you feel like what we do is worthwhile then support it financially. It costs money to run a a podcast network, uh, and that money goes to support our hosting fees. It goes to pay for advertising. um, I mean that's about all it does because it's just not a lot of money right now uh, but our our you know our stretch goal is to start financially compensating uh, not just the podcast on the network but also the people who write for the blog so if you're interested in that check out our patreon uh, you know we will send you a t-shirt we got t-shirts for, for Cinepunks. Uh you can also buy shirts on the site uh, but we really just appreciate everyone who's been giving financially to our patreon and uh, hopefully we'll have some bonus content for you soon. Uh, We also want to thank uh, someone that I know that uh, Willow knows, and I know that you know this person, Josh, and the business that he
1: runs, one Mr. Christopher Reject. (laughs) Who I'm planning on getting matching rancid tattoos with, by the way. No. Yes, 100% (laughs) yes. No sense of irony here. 100% we're getting rancid tattoos. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. (laughs) It LVAC. <laughs> it's not my dumbest tattoo nor would it even come close because i have so many dumb tattoos
2: no nor for chris oh boy
1: <laughs> pretty good but anyway chris <laughs> runs a company called the lehigh valley apparel creations x com. so if you have something to promote that you would like to be printed upon things chris can do that for you you want t-shirts he got t-shirts you want a mask he got masks you know what i'm saying he got all that. All of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh xlvacx.com. It, look, you probably have something that you're not sure if you should get a t-shirt or a hoodie or a vinyl jacket for. You d- you should. And you should get it printed at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. So if you got something to print, which I know you do, you're going to want to head to XLVACX.com. I kind of want to not edit it now just so people hear what a mess it was. (laughs) I had to hold my breath
1: just now, but go on. (laughs) We We also also, would like to thank the good people at Essex Coffee Roasters. Our friend Aaron Dalbeck is the purveyor of fine coffee needs and also teas and teas. You know what yeah, I'm saying?
0: Yeah, teas and teas. No, right, and teas.
1: That's good. So uh, Aaron's trying to take the bourgeois out of coffee appreciation. So, you know, he makes awesome coffee for everybody. And he is awesome. And EssexCoffeeRoasters.com, you can go buy coffee. And if you put C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X at checkout, you will get an additional 10% off. You're welcome. And when you do that, yeah. it makes us look cool. And then, you know, you look cool. Yes, please.
0: Please do it. Thank you. I just got my i, I, I just got my order uh, notification. I got new coffee coming from Aaron, and I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked. Uh, of course, this episode, like uh, every episode over the last couple years, is edited by our good friend Sharky over at Mechanical Shark Media. Uh, Sharky doesn't just do audio production and editing. Sharky does video production. Sharky does special effects. Sharky does uh, puppetry and uh, set design. Uh, Sharky does streaming services. Here's the thing. Do you have some sort of visual or audio need that you're looking for someone to come in and make it look amazing and sound amazing? Well, you're going to want to hit up Mechanical Shark Media. Uh, They're the best. He's the best. Get involved uh, and, and and get him to produce something for you, whether that's uh, a video, a commercial, you need help with a documentary, you need someone to produce and edit your podcast, uh, you need some all kinds of things. Sharky can help you out. MechanicalSharkMedia.com
1: And also, if you have hair, Sharky's got you on that front, too. Oh, yeah, he has a barbershop. He didn't ask us to promote the barbershop. I'm just barber saying, my man's good. got six skills on the fades. Well, that's true. So i the only person in the world who makes me wish I had hair. <laughs> so holla at your boy if you need any of that stuff.
0: All right. Well, OK, now we got to do, what do we got to do next, Josh? There's like another segment we have. A segment? Yeah. What are we, a worm? Yeah, we got a segment. We got a, we got a, <laughs> we got a section. We got a thing we got to do.
1: No, we 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 haven't done that 150 times before, have we?
0: Yeah, there's something we've done on every episode for 151 now episodes, and I don't know what it is. What is it called? Whack it on track <laughs> Yeah. I was gonna do it if you I was like, okay, just a little bit more, and then I'm gonna fucking hit him with it. So good. So good. Willow, friend. Hi. Would you like to go I hate when Josh says this, but I'm gonna say it. Would you like to go okay. first, middle, or last? Why do you even um, when I say that? Because I don't like the, I would, I, uh, it doesn't matter.
2: I, I've always been like, don't say middle. Who wants to go middle? Don't say middle. Just say first or last. Wow. You know what? I want to be the middle. I want to be uh, the meat in the sandwich. <laughs>
0: I can't there's nothing I can say to that there's literally nothing So
1: Liam would you like to go first okay. or last as I'll you go, like me to no.
0: say I'll go for, I'll go first it's fine I'll I'll start this off I'll be the I'll be the brave person to first go off the Gangplank? What? Uh, okay. I don't have a ton. Um, I covered a lot of stuff in the last time me and Josh recorded. And I, you know, since seeing everything everywhere all at once, I haven't really had a chance to go to the movies or even watch a lot of non podcast uh, related movies. I have been watching a new show with my daughter. So to catch people up, in fact, I'll actually start with a whack. You know what's whack, Willow and Josh? What is whack is the creators on youtube who make shitty shows for kids my daughter has become obsessed with some of these fucking youtube people that are really just doing like hour-long commercials for toys they just get toys for free and they film their kids playing with the toys and that's like a show on youtube and she loves it and it makes me want to die it's the worst it is literally torture (laughs) media it exists Purely
2: for capitalism and the pain of adults. And I hate Mm. it. You do know every cartoon we grew up watching was exactly that, right? Yeah, but they had story
0: and narrative. (laughs) And this is just people who make literally one of these kids makes $45 million a year
1: playing with toys. (gasps) Is that all? Uh, They must be poor at it. (laughs) They must be doing it incorrectly then.
2: <laughs> Maybe they should have bought Twitter. No, that was billion. Never mind. Yeah. Oh. The, po- <laughs> the point is this.
0: I just don't enjoy it. And I let her watch I'm not gonna keep her from watching it because I don't think it's well, one of them might be bad. I don't really like one of them. But for the most part, I'm not that kind of parent that's like, uh, whatever. But I've been trying to find things that she would enjoy that I would also enjoy. And so we started watching a little show called Little Witch Academia. It is a, uh, an anime from Trigger Studios. Uh, from what I understand, it actually started as short films from uh, these animators who were kind of like trying to get a foot in the door. And the uh, short films did so well on the internet that they got uh, contracted to do an actual show. And since then, they've done other stuff. They did two seasons of Little Witch Academia. I think there's a third one on the way at some point, but they haven't started production on it yet. So I am recommending this with a little bit of a hesitation because – when season two ends, you will want immediately a season three, and there is not a season three to be had yet. Uh, but if you can handle that sort of uh, emotional torture, uh, I've really enjoyed this show. We actually just finished the last episode that's available tonight. And, uh, you know, I cried tears. Tears came out of my <laughs> face. Uh, we cheered. Uh, at one point, I was trying to high five my wife. Based upon the events of the show, it's it's a, it's a, it's a very cute show, and it's very much like the you know the show is uh, a, a a a a witch. Oh, something's making noise, and I apologize to listeners. Something's going on in my in my the room I'm in right now. Um, the, it, it, the, there's a there's a school for witches, and they're on rough financial times, and so they start accepting people who aren't like from. Established witch families, you know, kind of like when uh, when when Princeton stopped taking legacy students, it's like that, you know. <laughs> right. And so this girl goes, who's like a big fan of witch stuff, because there was a famous witch that like did stuff for like normal people, like she did like shows, like she's like the equivalent of like a magician, only she's doing actual magic, you know. And of course, when she gets there, she finds out everyone hates her, and everyone like she's not a real witch because she does popular stuff for normal people. And uh, and what's cool is I read on the internet that the whole thing is. Like like a metaphor for their experience as animators you know that they went into animation and they found out like everyone loves this like artsy stuff and they grew up with like midnight anime like they grew up with like weird tentacle stuff you know and that's why they got into animation but they're not like artsy like everyone else you know and and you know the whole experience she has is like she's trying to like you know figure out her place in this world where everyone kind of knows what they're doing it's all very cute and it's all about uh, it, it, it's a show where all the witches love each other and the there's like one dude who doesn't suck but all the men are like terrible witch haters who like, uh, uh, you know, uh, are just like monsters and it's all about like trusting your friends and trusting in yourself and like maybe our dreams will save the world and oh man, I, I'm i a sucker. You know, people who listen to the show know that I'm a real sucker for like pain and heartache. Like I love bleak things that make you feel bad about life and make you wonder if humans should even exist. But on the other end, I also am a sucker for hope. Anything that has like some real sappy hope stuff in it, I'm crying like a baby over here. (laughs) And so that's how I feel about Little Witch Academia. It's just charming. It's not like the most amazing animation I've ever seen, but it's really strong. And it just made me feel really good. The way it ended was like, I mean, to be fair, I'm hoping it's not the end end. I'm hoping it's just like, the end of these seasons, but the way that it did end this time, it made me feel very good, which again, make me feel good or make me feel bad. That's what I want for media. I want to feel like the best or the worst in the world. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 And then uh, I also started watching uh, again with the fam, not, not with Maeve because it's a little too much for her, but me and Suze were, have been watching the, that Lizzo show. Uh, Watch out for the big girls. It's like, uh, a competition of dancers trying to get onto the Lizzo show. I will say I'm a little bummed because I'm almost done and they just got to the part where they're about to find out that Baduru was cancelled in 2021. Oh no! <laughs> oh. Man. Oh, And it was like the, the episode ended with someone going, wait, what hurricane? And that was the episode and then there's another episode. And I was like, Oh, shit. I remember now. Bonnaroo was canceled. So this whole season, I've been like invested in these ladies going to Bonaroo, and they're not going to go to fucking Bonnaroo, because there's
1: no fucking Bonnaroo mm. in 2021. On the plus side, Lizzo did announce that she'll be playing Philadelphia in September. and Good for Hi, you, buddy. Are, are you going to go? Yeah, my sh- Fuck yeah. Are you- what?
0: Hell yeah. 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 I'm a big fan as well. Do you think the ladies from the show will be there? I don't
1: know. Oh, my God. Yeah, they better be or we riot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man i do fucking love lizzo
1: i know there are people who 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 don't enjoy lizzo but i disagree i'm a fan man she was the best judge on season 14 of uh rupaul's drag race is that right they, i haven't you know my uh, favorite she is so adorable on it it's great
0: so i i definitely those two things are on track the other thing that's on track is the trailer just came out for season three of legendary and that's got me oh my hyped. god dude so pumped <laughs> Yo, there's apparently an episode where law threatens to fight people I'm oh all about that. No. I wanna oh. see
1: I want to see law roach throw down I'm into that so uh
0: yeah the funniest
1: uh, thing about it though is the fact that uh all the promo for it uh what's it has like a it's it says like ball is life or something like that it's like the tagline or no it's ball or nothing <laughs> that's what the tagline for this season is <laughs> so good so oh, good oh man I am so pumped. Oh, man.
0: Sorry. Uh, and then the, the last thing I'll actually do is I want to give a shout out. We, we uh, you know, a while ago we added a new podcast, Twitch of the Death Nerve, that I've been very much enjoying. And we just added another new one, The Carnage Report, uh, that I've liked the first two episodes of. I think are really great. I'm excited for what they're going to do. And then, uh, you know, sometime soon... Uh, the shameless picture show uh, uh, we'll be joining. Mike was a guest on CinePunks and we're excited to have his show join. So I just feel like CinePunks continues to grow and, and be cool. And um, that's not due to anything I'm doing. I don't feel like I'm bringing anything to the table. That's other people being amazing. And I just really (laughs) appreciate that. So that's on track as well. Okay. I'm done. Willow. What's up with you?
2: Okay. Here I go. (laughs) I wrote these down on a sticky note. I appreciate it. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah thank you i'm very prepared uh i've been watching some tv i feel like i don't watch tv shows a lot like for some reason too much time they're very long I 10 agree. hours I come agree. on yeah uh, <laughs> but i started re-watching the first season of picard which is awesome before i watch season two Do you ever do that? Like, oh, season two is out. I have to rewatch season one. And then you just like never watch season two. I do this all the time. 100% not a TV person. My wife loves television.
1: She's on Billions. She's on uh, Riverdale, like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. The only television shows that I'm dedicated to are Bob's Burgers, uh, RuPaul stuff. And uh, yeah, Legendary, I think. Oh, and uh, the Black, Black Lady Sketch Show. That show is...
0: Unbelievable. Yo, we oh, got to watch mean, that. I, I don't think we talked about it on here, Josh. Did we talk about um, Our Flag Means Death?
1: Oh my God. It's <gasps> so good. It is. That was so one of my on tracks. I was going to talk ahead. about we'll it. we will talk about it because Tell it's so about. fucking good. It's so genius.
2: Um, it is like. Ah, the premise of it sounds like it's not real. Like, how, like, someone let this happen. And I'm so happy it happened. But it's like a basically like quasi-period correct pirate show um, that the, everyone's like based on real people, like the two leads. It's uh, Taika Watiti and, oh my gosh, what's his name from front of the Concord*? Reese Darby. Reese Darby. So it's a pirate show, but it's just like super gay. It's like the gayest show I've ever seen. It's like bonkers how gay it is. It's so good. Well, I mean, Taika but- Waititi has said, like it's, a, it's directly
1: for his... Brown skin brothers and sisters, and for the people of the LGBTQ plus community, and like it's so good, it's so well written. I I uh. want to I do want to suggest that the way
0: that the real-life Steed and Blackbeard separated does feel catty. Now, they were pirates, so it's it's possible that it was more based upon uh, uh, bloodlust and and stealing money, but I don't think they pulled this out of nowhere. Like, these were two captains who worked together and then didn't, and it's not clear why. And so saying, like, well, maybe it was this is, like, not a bad way to come at it and it allows them to do something that like i don't think i've seen anything that is this it's not just that it's this gay right it's gay without (laughs) effort like it's not like it it just is like yeah this is how it is this is just what it is and you're either on board or you're not and if you're not then you are missing out it's not it's not like it's like like josh said taika watiti's made really clear like why the show exists, but the show isn't trying to make a case for something, which is like mm-hmm. so rare with something with with media that deals with these topics. It's very much like this is just what it is, and you're compelled. And like honestly, like I don't know what I don't know how you could be a watcher of the show and not be moved by what's going on. Period. It's just such. It's like I. I it's been a while since I've watched anything that is this funny and emotionally compelling at the same time. It's really hard to hit that balance.
2: Yeah. And I think the best part of it is like, I feel like queer characters in shows, like it's always like, that's just their character. Like, Oh, that's the gay character. That's the queer character. That's the trans character. But like, all of the gayness and there's like a really well-handled like non-binary character. And it's never like a big deal. It's just like, yeah, this exists in our world. And like, these people are also normal. This is just what they do. And it's not like, there's no like homophobic character that like to play off of. There's no like, like the drama doesn't really like surround like the queerness. It's just like, yeah, like this is a bromance that turns into a romance essentially. Like when like they would, so many things are like queer coded and it's just like, oh, they've like, they're gay, but like, they never like will say that, but like, they didn't do that. It was just like, oh my gosh, they're like going for it. It's, it's very good. It's very like sweet and funny and heartfelt. And I've cried multiple times watching it and I've laughed very hard and I just wish they would make more of it. It bums me out that Lucius dies at the end. Sorry.
1: I might've just spoiled it for people. I'm so sorry. You got to say spoiler first. You got to right. say it first. That's the one thing in this whole TV show that as we were watching, I was like, but why? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just don't understand why, you know,
2: <laughs>
1: such Someone's a gotta <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Someone's but got to die. Someone's got to die. I mean, they are pirates,
0: though. Like, yeah. I'm just somebody. saying. I mean, I feel you. I felt the same I felt the same way. But I also was like... <sighs> it would be easy to end the season and have someone think that the show doesn't have any stakes other than their relationship. And so with that death, we're reminded that the stakes are not just the stakes that we're all about. Inve- Cause primarily what I'm invested in is the relationships. That's, that's where my primary investiture is. And yet the show reminds you like, yeah, that's not all that's at, at stake here. Actually. What's also at stake is that these are murderers who could murder each
2: other at any time. <laughs> My other favorite thing about that show, not to harp on this forever, it's like a masterclass in funny things happening in the background. Or at low oh volumes. my god, so like, good! There's a there's a part where Blackbeard like does like a front flip like into frame, and like almost inaudibly, someone in the background goes "fuck yeah!" Like what does the front flip, <laughs> and like I died laughing. Like it's just so funny. One of my oh, favorite things so is that because of this show, I
0: found both Taika Waititi and uh, Reese Darby on TikTok. Uh, which I didn't know they were, but they are. And they post a lot of behind-the-scenes footage. And one of my favorite behind-the-scenes was when Blackbeard is on the boat, and he's like, that's my friend! And, like, you know, they weren't in the water. He's just in a studio. And he dives off the boat and the way that he commits to this dive even knowing he's just landing on a mattress like they they definitely have the mattress at an angle because he dives in like there's actual water there so if it was flat he would have like broke his neck they have like oh. an angled mattress for him to like land properly and the tiktok goes and Reese Darby, the, the the comment is, look at him commit to this dive. What's wrong with him?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good.
2: God Everything God. Reese Darby says is funny. Like, it doesn't yes. matter. It's yes, just, like, his accent and his inflection and his timing. It's well, always funny. And I've been waiting for him to – he has such uh,
0: supporting character energy in so many things mm-hmm. that he does that I've been waiting for him to have a project where he could be himself in his most funny – uh, personhood and still like be the lead, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's it's hard to write for someone who his style of humor. And you know, I loved him on Fly the Concords, I love him in What We Do in the Shadows, I oh love his stand up. Like, yeah. he's done a lot of shit that's hilarious, but this is the first thing he's done where like he's front and center and he is no less being his ridiculous self. And I love that. <sighs> yeah okay willow keep going sorry but we were both excited about that so i'm glad you brought it up
2: no no that's fine i wanted to talk about that anyway uh yeah i was watching picard i'm like a huge star trek fan i feel like a poser because i'm only watching season two now but like i never wanted to get like oh not discovery plus what is it on paramount like there's like nothing else i wanted to watch on there and i was like eventually i'm just gonna have to subscribe to this for star trek um And I did. And Picard is so good. I don't know if y'all are into Star Trek, but, man, it's such a good show, and it makes me cry.
0: I like to to pretend that I'm not into Star Trek, but then if you were to, like, probe that lie, you would find that I have watched all of Next Generation multiple times, and I've watched Deep Space Nine, and I've watched a little bit of Voyager, though not enough to claim to be a real fan, and I've seen all the movies, and so, like in my brain i'm like i'm not a star but it's only because of the commitment of other star trek folks compared yeah. to people compared to people who actually aren't fans of star trek i'm a huge nerd but like compared to <laughs> other Star Trek fans, I'm like not even into it. I'm yeah. like, yeah, but not I'm like not really that. Into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely into it. I just like for me, I was, I'm excited about these new Star Trek things. But I heard such mixed things about Picard that I haven't given it a shot yet. But I will eventually. There's no way I'm not gonna watch it at some point because I spent too many years of my life being invested in Next Generation to not watch Picard. It has to happen
1: yeah Andrew and grace are both huge tng fans in as much as i know it as tng because that's how they talk about it right right. and uh (laughs) i'm not i'm not there
2: yeah i grew up watching tng so that's like my star trek uh yeah if you're invested in tng and like especially like the picard like borg storyline like that season like fuck yes it's gonna you're gonna really love it or the movies that deal with that um boy it is so good i don't want to like give anything away but it's totally worth like subscribing um, i think
0: i what I, other... I think what I, what i what i'll want to know is does it go the path of the show or the path of the movies cuz for me the problem with the movies is that the movies want to be action movies Mm -hmm. and the next generation people are not action stars that is not actually what they're good at they're good at standing around and talking about things for the most part and i love that (laughs) i love that about the show and then the movies keep being like yeah swing off of this thing and shoot a laser cool and i'm like
1: "Uh, i don't need (laughs) that
0: no need that
2: there's really there's like some action but it's not like the focus they're not like action movies with like a star trek like disguise okay Okay. cool cool. cool. Um, they're very like heady and philosophical like back to like you know examining society and all that stuff yeah
0: the real nerd yeah. shit i'm into that
2: yeah the good star trek
0: <laughs> yeah
2: um oh my gosh what else i had a you ever go to like your parents house or someone who has cable's house and watch a movie on cable because i love that because i don't have cable i watched air force one on easter sunday with my mom and it air force one's great I just wanted Still to say good. that. Still good. It's so good. Uh, I had a very nice time. I think that's about it musically. Uh, and Liam, I have to thank you for this. Like, I love that Devil Master band. I've been like listening oh, to it. So much. It's so good. Oh my! And God. the record comes out tomorrow, and I'm so so excited.
0: I've hit up the the. Uh... Uh, person who does their art and I say mm-hmm. I say person because I, I don't actually know their pronouns but the person who does their art I've hit them up multiple times but they don't. I think they just like do work for friends because whenever I've uh-huh. tried to like get them to do work for us, I don't get a reply. And I'm like, I'm gonna assume that I'm just not contacting properly and not that we're so lame that we can't even <laughs> get a no, you know. But I love yeah. I love their art. I, you know, that no, I mean they use different people, but the person who does has done a lot of their art, it's very uh illustrative line art sort of style. I love it. Uh-huh. It's so that aesthetic is like fucking uh, I just think it's amazing. So I'm a, and then the music also rips. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan.
2: Yeah, it's just like a punk band trying to play black metal or vice versa, and it's just like so good. Yeah, I'm like a yeah. late bloomer with heavy music, so I feel like I'm uh, in a weird honeymoon period. I like um, that. What is I'm, there? Is there other heavy music you've been getting into that when you
0: were younger you would not have been stoked on?
2: Um, I don't know. I think it's just like stuff that I've listened to, like, and not really like talked about. Like, I don't know. I like, never went to hardcore shows growing up cuz I just sure. like didn't yeah. get jostled and like it, like mm. the people no offense to y'all hardcore fans <laughs> but like sometimes it's not the best group of people at those shows and I get a little scared um but it's a, it's no, a... I like
0: Oh, go ahead. <laughs> it's no. It's a weird thing where, like, even though it's something that I think me and Josh both relate to a lot, when people are like, "Well, I had a bad experience," no part of me is
1: surprised.
0: Yeah, there's no part of me that's <laughs> like, "What? That doesn't sound like our show." It's like, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I get that. That makes a lot of sense. At this point, yeah. it
1: almost see- almost saying the words like "our shows" feels a little ridiculous to me anymore because it's like, is it really mine anymore? You know what I mean? No, like,
0: true. Well, I actually think it's probably healthier. The shows I've been to as an old man. I think they're healthier than when I was a kid. Like I think things were even worse when I was a child, and yeah, now they for seem. Sure. I'm sure they're still toxic to some extent, but they seem. It seems less pervasive. You know what I mean? Like it seems less like inclined towards a riot
2: than it was when we were kids.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I went to see Converge a few months ago. Now, sure, oh, time yeah. doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um But. I feel like at that show, I was like, oh, my God, I love Converge. Like, it yeah. was the first time I ever saw them. Like, finally, like after so many years, like oh, never man. seen them. Yeah, I still um, love Converge, though. They're so good. They were so good. Um, but they played with Vow, and I love Vow a lot. And they played with sure. Uniform, who I'd never heard. And I oh, love Uniform. Friend of the show. A friend Michael of the show, Burdan. Burdan. Yeah. Really? yeah. Oh, my Former God. Former guest. If you're listening, you're great, and I love your band. (laughs) and Now I'm being weird about
1: it. No, they're they're amazing. So good. I love them.
2: Yeah, they're awesome. I was in the back, just like standing, like in true me fashion, standing against the back wall at Underground Arts in Philly, just like slack jawed. Like they were just so good. It got me so like psyched to listen to like more hardcore and like heavy music in general. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I am an emo kid at heart, as everyone knows. But Sure. well, You <laughs> we can not, branch
0: out. It's not like me and Josh have not dipped our toes into the world of the emo. We both <laughs> yeah. have. Though, though we <laughs> often disagree about which one of the things I remember, Josh, is like we we do not see eye to eye on a, on Mineral. We are on different pages no, on mineral. Yeah, not a fan. Oh, I'm a big well, who's fan. on one side? Oh, I'm a huge – I'm a mark. I'm a huge nerd for, for the Mineral. Uh-huh. Nope, not my thing. Hmm. And Josh are you, there was something else that you love
1: that I'm not stoked on that came up on the show <laughs> I mean Fuck, I like frail and all that stuff like that's what I came up with as my sure. definition yeah. of emo right yeah. like I came up with frail and uh bleed and you know but those things
0: like but you like the get up kids
1: oh may I start my whacking on track now Liam Yeah go are ahead. you done willow I don't <laughs> want to disrespect Sure why well, do yeah, not yeah yeah like the get Up kids is that what this
0: is gonna be <laughs> oh did I see the Get Up Kids last week? Oh, shit. They <gasps> opened that
1: Jawbreaker show. They I did because the Lemonheads yes. were high. So on my on track, I saw Jawbreaker and the Warriors and the Get Up Kids at the Fillmore. Oh, my God. I should have gone the, to that. The funny thing about it is it was my wife's third time seeing Jawbreaker that week because she went to Denver <laughs> to go see them with face-to-face <laughs> Sam I Am and the Descendants oh and uh, tom from wow. decision
0: was also at that show
1: my wife hates all of those bands including jawbreaker why did she go because <laughs> lauren bought tickets and it was supposed to be for her and rick and then rick couldn't go so melani was like "Ooh, girl trip and she went and saw jawbreaker twice in denver and then came home and i was like we got tickets to see jawbreaker and then we saw him again <laughs> what a bummer <laughs> i know my wife is powerful she's she contains multitudes she's strong Okay, but anyway, tell so us about it. The gig, um, Warriors were cool. I didn't know that Frank Pegaro was playing guitar with them now, and uh, listeners of the show know that he's a guitar player from the Degenerics, a very beloved band from New Jersey. He also played in Star Fucking Hipsters, and now he's playing with Warriors, and that was cool. And they were good. It was cool to hear some new songs. It was pretty fun. And then the Get Up Kids went on. Now, tell me what you guys think about this. Get Up Kids, the sick of it all of emo, wherein people only care about records one and two. And then everything after that is a lukewarm reception at best. oh my god so they opened with a, a four minute mile song i forget which one but then the second song in was i'm a loner Daddy, a rebel and it was the seven inch version like the fast one not yeah, like the weird yes, slow one yes, yes. and i lost my mind i lost yeah. my goddamn mind i, might I moosh. was I, might moosh for that. I was shouting at the top of my lungs yeah. and um friend friend of the show and uh uh, tattooer to the Stars, Mr. Shane Bond was standing next to me, and we were both crying, literal tears as the get-up kids were playing. And it was, like, amazing. And then they started doing others, like, they oh yeah, they opened with Holiday, and then they went into um, I'm Alone or Daddy," And then they started playing the other stuff that came out after something to write home about that I'm like, what the fuck is this bullshit? And then like, and the whole crowd chilled, everybody stopped dancing. And then they played like they played other, they didn't play Woodson. They didn't play. um, They didn't play. Don't hate me. They didn't play like all the weird, like hits that I grew up. I know it was like, what are you doing? It's like dancing, not playing mother. Like, come on, man. Like, dude, do the thing. But I mean, it was for the songs that I knew, I loved them so much and they sounded amazing and then the songs that I didn't know apparently I'm not the only one because not everybody was psyched and it was just a lot of standing it's like when sick of all is on this one's off of death to tyrants like yeah. word bro really
2: that's what we're doing well, I mean now?
0: I mean if you're in Europe that goes over like gangbusters but here yeah not
2: so much, Mm-mm. Not,
1: so much. not so much
2: I think but it, when you've been a band that long like you need to know what your audience wants like it's true you just man. Here's a good example. My favorite band on this earth is Super Chunk, and they're Mm. still a band. They've been a band forever. Every time I see them, it's like greatest hits sets as like the bookends. And in the middle, they just play like six new songs. And you just start strong and end strong. You play the new stuff in the middle. People go home happy. It's great
0: every time. I mean, I think you should do it however you want to do it. I I, I respect bands that only play new stuff. I just know that you have to then own the fact that they are going to be people who don't come see you because they know you only play yeah. new stuff. The problem for me with the Get Up Kids is they're not actually as active as that makes it sound because Sick of It All mm-hmm. is is not just a classic band. They still play a ton, and the Get Up Kids do not play a ton. Once you take some time off and then you come back, then you got to admit that, like, People are less familiar with the new you know what I mean? Like it's one thing to be like, yeah, we've put out an album every year for the last twenty years. Like, okay, well then you you know, it's it's on people to decide if they want to see you play the new stuff. But like you know, for a band like the Get Up, because it hasn't played for a while and doesn't play that often, you gotta really give the people what they want in my yeah. in my mind. You just have I to agree. because I agree. you haven't been active enough for people to give a shit about the new stuff. You know, the quote unquote new stuff, which half the time is also even that twenty
1: good. years old. The yeah. new stuff. It was like when so, it was
0: like when Snapcase played. This is hardcore. Oof, they mostly played later awful. material. It's like you know that's not why people came to see a Snapcase set. It, yeah, it'd be, it'd be one thing if you were out here. Pumping these
1: records over the last, yeah, decade, but you're gonna hold incarnate You're gonna hold incarnation for the encore. You're gonna come back after empty room. Yeah, that's what happened. So you know, sucks to be Snapcase. But hey, I'm not here to talk shit on Snapcase. I'm here about talking about things that are whacking on track. And well, tell us about Jawbreaker. <laughs> so Jawbreaker, I love Jawbreaker, and it was the dear you. Um, tour, right? Like it's a 25 years of Dear You, which I don't know if y'all remember, but when that record came out, nobody was stoked. <laughs> nobody was stoked. And uh, famously, Torches to Rome uh you know had a diss track on their 12 inch lp about that record that had the line <laughs> they offered you oh, a million geez. bucks and i made they made you your their steady fuck," which is about jawbreaker selling out which is funny now but i, oh I still God. love it uh, i love it so much still i love torches to Rome, but i also love jawbreaker and dear used my favorite record by them i'm not ashamed to admit it so hearing all like the hits off of that record plus a couple of hits from the other records super fun That said, it was almost palpable how much they did not like each other anymore or do not currently like anybody. So like watching them play completely separated on this gigantic stage was telling, but it also was like, yeah, I do love fireman. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool. Let's just do it, you know? And I thought it was fine. It was a good time. Um, Yeah. So that was on track. I did that. And then I watched the Michael Bay movie uh, Ambulance. I'm gonna put that as a, uh, it's dizzying. Do you like Michael Bay? Do either you guys you guys like Michael Bay or no?
0: I bummed people uh, out today, tweeting about how much I don't like Michael Bay. It's
1: <laughs> exhausting. It is exhausting. I needed a Gatorade, a Newport 100, <laughs> a beta blocker, a Tylenol, a nap, and a bowl of Wheaties after hour two. That's what I needed. It was tough. <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot.
2: So, uh, I, all I can think of with him now is like Transformers. That's like all that's in my brain with Michael Bay. You know what's funny? Because
0: I was tweeting about not liking Michael Bay, and a couple people were bummed, but a, a couple people were into it. And one of the people who is a big Michael Bay hater is uh, Josh uh, Christopher Exington, mm. uh, because of course he's such a Transformers nerd that for him, mm-hmm. Michael Bay is just the man who ruined Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because I feel like there's a lot of crimes against cinema you can hold Michael Bay accountable for. But it's funny to me that that's the one
2: for Chris. He's like, he ruined Transformers. I'm like, yeah,
0: okay, sure. Yeah, that's we'll put that on the list. That's fine.
2: You know oh. what? I, I love Armageddon more than most things. That's like my one Michael Bay thing okay. that I love. That's fair. I like, I mean, everyone's I like The allowed- Rock. I think The Rock is all right. Um, and, oh, yeah, the Rock's yeah, great. I just yeah. love Nicolas Cage, as you're going to hear me talk about a oh, whole lot in a little oh bit. Sweet baby I'm, Jesus. I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with
1: Yeah. I also <laughs> saw the Nicolas Cage movie this week. The, oh, uh, yeah. How was it? Oh, my God. Go it is so good. It. I have not been seeing very many bad movies in the theaters lately. Like before this was Everything Everywhere All at Once. And before that was the The Northman. And oh, my goodness. The Intolerable Weight of. What's it called? It's got like a long ass name uh the something weight of incredible talent i know it's called it's called the unbearable weight of massive talent and it is so lovely it is so good it nicholas cage you for it's so good i have no words that's how good that movie is. <laughs> it's so awesome. Pedro Pascal is amazing in it. Nicolas Cage is amazing in it. It's a buddy movie. And, like, you know, Nicolas Cage is, like, broke or going poor or whatever. So he has to go take a million dollars to hang out with a rich dude in Spain. <laughs> and then it starts with them. The, so Pedro Pascal pitches a movie script that he's written. And then they start working on it, which then becomes the movie that they are in. So it's this meta. It's, oh, my. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sweet, yeah. <laughs> There's no way to describe this movie. You just have to see it. That's it. Period. Well, that sounds like a familiar plot. (laughs) It is so wonderful though because it ends exactly because like there's a moment in the movie where they're like, "We should take LSD," and Nicolas Cage is like, "Yeah," and then they do. It's just so good and like them telling the story as they're writing it as it's, it's oh my 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 what a tale well
2: there can't possibly be another movie where Nicolas cage is writing the movie that he's in right sounds completely different of a concept to me can't think of anything yeah. where that happened before couldn't happen again
1: <laughs> And the, oh and the other on track thing that i did was i uh, listeners of the show know um my wife and i are big fans of rupaul's drag race and we went to fabrica last sunday for a drag brunch with miss kimchi and we got to meet and greet with Kim Chi, And um, it was really fun. It was ridiculous, of course, as most things at Fabrica are. Uh, I didn't think I was going to get a lap dance that day, but I did. That was a thing. (laughs) And um, I didn't think I was going to get a lap dance from a a performer lip syncing to a yodeling song. But that's what happened. And um, yeah. It was it was awesome. It was a really fun. Milani was just losing her mind, and we were drinking cocktails, which we don't normally do, and we were a little bit tipsy and just cheering, and there's just something special about watching your wife stuff dollar bills into G-strings of drag queens, as it happens at pretty, pretty damn funny. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah, on track. That's what I got.
0: All right. Well... <laughs> We have two very dense movies to talk about, so I guess we should just take a break, come back, get ready to talk about, um, you know, a a movie that is so crazy that I didn't think we would have another movie to talk about that's more crazy by the same person, and yet we do. Lo and, and behold, and 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 really, at you know, straight up adaptation made it possible for Synecdoche, New York to exist. Like that's mm-hmm. the reality. Is that one movie open the door for another. Uh, in fact, uh, and I don't know how real this is, but according to IMDB uh, Synectaity New York started out as a horror movie being co-written by uh, 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 Charlie Kaufman, Charlie Kaufman and uh, Spike Jones and then Spike Jones left the project to direct where the wild things mm-hmm. are, which is mm-hmm. interesting. but okay, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about adaptation at Synectady New York. Stick with us.
3: just go.
1: back so we're here to discuss two movies that are in some part helmed by the prolific charles kaufman because i don't feel comfortable enough to call him charlie it is weird right like i want
0: to say it but the part of me is like that feels personal i don't know him like that yeah so
1: yeah mr willow. kaufman to you yeah, yeah. <laughs> senior kaufman so <laughs> willow why did you pick these movies or why what is your relationship with charles kaufman
2: um well why i picked it's pretty easy i just looked back through all your episodes and the ones i remembered and just wanted to do something a little different like yeah, i love all this yeah. stuff you guys talk about um But I was like, what can I do? That's just like very me, Uh, but also is like maybe something you all haven't touched on very much. And uh, my other idea was shot down. So we did these two. Um, The Titanic
1: idea is 100% brilliant. And you 100% have to come back on so we can do Titanic. I'll return for Titanic. Oh, my fucking window. <laughs> this is why you have to come back to talk about Titanic with me, Willow, because it'll be amazing to watch Liam yeah. jump are you, are out you, of his are skin. You, are you a big Titanic person like that? No, I'm just a big Liam hater, and yeah, I love watching yeah. you squirm. <laughs> uh,
2: Titanic's awesome. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like adaptation I saw for the first time, like, what was it, 2002? Uh I think. So I was still in high school. I think it was like right around when I was like discovering like air quotes film, <laughs> like <laughs> in a very snooty way, like, Oh, I'm better than you. Cause I like these films that you don't understand. Uh, and I feel like adaptation was like one of the first ones that like blew my mind and I like didn't understand it. And therefore I thought it must be good. <laughs> like that's how your brain works when you're a teenager. I think um, I definitely bought it. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think i bought it at and this ended up being like a weirdly important moment in my, in my life remember when all the blockbusters were going out of business and they yes. were selling all these yes like i got a really big hole one day and i like the two like the two things i got that like defined me i got this and i got the criterion collection uh royal tenenbaums oh uh, yes so that like I think that set me on like my course to where I am with movies right now. Just like so neurotic and white. That's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, the first DVD I ever owned was the Royal Tenenbaums DVD.
2: I didn't even own a DVD player yet. I just <laughs> bought it. I saw it. I bought it. Oh, my first DVD was Star Wars Episode One that I got with my DVD player for Christmas.
0: Well, that's far more <laughs> embarrassing. So there you go
2: yeah it's Ben uh (laughs) uh, yeah I don't know I end up love I just love these like mind bending like you know I love David Lynch I love this is like really in my wheelhouse just like dream logic like dream state stuff like time is messed with space is messed with like physical space and like I think synecdoche like really does both of those in like a really crazy way um Adaptation like is super meta and like folds in on itself, so does Synecdoche. I think like that stuff always just really gets me going. Like I don't even know why. It's just like they're like super unknowable and I could like think about them forever and like never actually know what it's about. Like I'll never know what Synecdoche New York is actually about. It's like bonkers. It's about everything. (laughs) Yeah. And nothing. And it's just, it's like super upsetting and it's very funny. They're both very upsetting and very funny. I think that's also like a theme and things I love just like horribly depressing things that are intercut with like very dark humor. And that's definitely both of these.
0: Now, Josh, had you not seen either one of these before?
1: Uh, I'd never seen adaptation before, but I saw Synecdoche uh, once before. Yeah.
0: And are you a fan of uh, Charles Kaufman's other projects or is this like a, a new area for you as the stuff he's done?
1: I mean, I like Spike Jones, I like Michelle Gondry. I like, um, you know, Eternal Sunshine, of course. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like. I only now have achieved a point in my film knowledge where I can really appreciate Charlie Kaufman movies i mean like synecdoche is the movie that connected with me more on this episode i i appreciated adaptation and that was the first time watch for me but um synecdoche is the one that like i saw it uh when we were in the film society liam actually that was the one time i saw it and it was like at that time i was like this movie's long i don't really get what's going on i don't think i like it and then I watched it, and I finished it this morning, and I went to work crying this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I adore this movie, and I didn't realize it until this watch how much I love this movie. But um, that's
0: I, I uh yeah I hear what you're saying. Let's let's start with adaptation. But well, wait,
1: think, Liam, what's your relationship? Well, with that's, where gonna,
0: that's where I'm. That's where we're going to go, right? So for me, um, I've wanted to see Synecdoche, New York* for a long time because I love. Or I think I love Charles Kaufman. Now, I will say that he had a, a, a real – what was the movie he just had come out? It was on Netflix.
2: I'm thinking of ending things.
0: Yeah. That was the first movie where I didn't connect with it right away, and I, I didn't even finish it. And I was like, I'm going to come back to this because I I think I need more time with it. And I haven't yet. And I and I and that's the first – because I remember I – stood in line to watch Anomalisa at the Philly oh, film Oh, I Fest. loved
1: Anomalisa. So, yeah. So <sighs> fucking good. Yeah, did we see that together, Liam? Cuz I think we did.
0: Yes, yes. I yes. love
1: that movie. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I and and you know, I when Being John Malkovich uh came out, oh, yeah. I, I was in, I was in college. That was a college movie for me. That was a movie that we we watched. This is the thing. Charles Kaufman as a screenwriter If we're talking about so
1: prolific,
0: yeah, well, but but the movies that became sort of iconic were movies like, excuse me, um, Big John Malkovich, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, this movie adaptation. And the thing for me was when I first saw adaptation, I didn't get how much of it was constructed, I thought it was in some sense real. Until it went off the rails in a way that felt very obvious, right? Because once once she's like a drug addict trying to murder him in the in the Everglades, I think the audience gets that this isn't real, right? But it's not real from the start. And I didn't learn that until years later, when I finally saw Charles Kaufman, and I went well, that doesn't look like the guy from Adaptation. And then I went and did some research and I'm like, oh, he also doesn't have a twin brother. Wait a minute, what yeah. the fuck <laughs> is going on with this movie? And I had to realize like, oh, it's all uh, it's all edifice from day one. And then hey, you have to ask yourself, okay, why? Like, why is he representing himself as this... Well, I I bet he in real life he's also kind of neurotic, but this this caricature of a neurotic person who has a version of himself who's actually good at all the things that he's bad at, who is you know <laughs> balding and overweight, which is like not what Charles Crawford is like. Like everything about this is not who he is. But maybe that there's something about that edifice that allows him to get at something else that must be hard. I I feel like the inability to adapt this book that part was real, right? Like that's like the essential true core of adaptation is I can't fucking adapt this book. And then instead we get this other thing. And there's just something about that, that I like, I don't know. I just fucking love it. It feels like such a weird embracing of failure. Like the whole thing is kind of a failure. And then it's also not that like, I don't know. There's just something about it that I, I really did love it in 2002. When I saw it, I was what, 23 at the time. Um, but, like, now I've watched it a couple times as someone who, like, understands it a little bit more. It, it really appeals to me. Now, I think I'm going to end up agreeing with you, Josh. It still is a silly movie in a certain way, in a way that Synecdoche New York is not. <laughs> and maybe that's why some people didn't like Synecdoche New York because it's it's – goofy it has goofy funny moments but the overall thing is very melancholy
1: yeah <laughs> it's a definitely bummer of a movie yeah
0: yeah yeah but uh so focusing on adaptation i wanted to get a vibe from y'all what you feel about it like is it the decision to cast nicholas cage in this role like i need someone to play me who looks nothing like me <laughs> and i want him to look almost nothing like himself in some ways you know what i mean um, how do we feel about the decision, and even this idea that like he took this thing and made it about himself, but it's also not about himself? I don't know. I, I this is just my opening volley to get some thoughts from you all about about
2: responding to adaptation. Well, I think from- casting him is like. Oh, sorry, Josh. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, he, okay, I'm very biased here because I love him. He's like sure. my favorite yes. actor, yes. like bar none. Um, and. I think, you know, he has a weird reputation now for, like, phoning it in or, like, wildly overacting. But, like, I think this was, like, in his prime when he was, like, you know, doing super wild stuff. But he also, like, puts his whole self into, like, everything. And I feel like only he could, like, throw himself into this to the point where he could play, like, two twin brothers that, like, you can, like, tell them apart by happy acts. And that's crazy. 100%. It's an unbelievable performance. There's slight, like, physical differences. I think that, like, Donald has a little more hair than Charlie. Like, there's, like, you know, I think Charlie has more of, like, a beard. But, like, they look almost identical. But, like, it's just, like, the subtle differences in the tone of voice. And, like, even, like, the language they use and, like, the personalities. Like, it makes you, it tricks you into thinking they look like different people. And it's, like, one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced, like, watching a movie. I 100% agree. I in fact I was thinking about it again
0: when I was watching uh Moon Knight. I was
1: watching
2: Yeah, cuz yo,
1: cuz Moon Knight is so good in as much as Oscar Isaac playing two people he's so good.
0: I feel like he must I, I would not be surprised if other actors have studied this performance because yeah. to me this is the best performance of especially considering he is playing twins, right? So he can't like put some sort of weird fucking facial thing on and be like, that's how you know we're different. This is the one with the big nose. These people look alike (laughs) and yet they are utterly different there's there's no point where you don't think one is one and the other you know what i mean like especially when he's pretending to be charles in that he's never been more distinct in the whole thing than when he's like oh i'm gonna be charles in this interview it's so ridiculous it's one of my favorite parts so of the movie. funny <laughs> you know if you could have dinner with anyone living or dead <laughs> it's so good everyone says jesus and gandhi
1: It's just so awesome, though, like how well he does the two people thing. And again, like seeing it in Moon Knight, like have you seen Moon Knight yet, Willow?
2: Are you into Marvel at all like that? No, I I am into Marvel, but I haven't started watching it yet. I really love Oscar Isaac a lot. Oh my God, he's
1: so good in it because he plays a character that has like that's inhabited by another character and so on and they have like two distinct personalities in as much as one of them has a british accent the other one has an american accent and he switches between the two of them so convincingly that i was watching adaptation at the same time that Melanie and i were watching moon Knight. and i was like "Yo, that's like super good but i do agree nicholas cage as one of my favorites as liam will tell you nicholas cage is up there for me him in these roles is amazing, it's like peak thespian.
0: And I don't want to discount the other performances, there's amazing oh, yeah, performances, there's so in this movie.
1: performances. Oh, God, yeah, so many good performances. Streep is amazing in this movie, <gasps>
0: so good, Chris Cooper, I... too. Chris yeah, Cooper is Chris like Cooper's another so good,
1: oh, yeah. It's cool. He won an God. Oscar, yeah, he did. So good, so good.
0: Um, and I think the movie doesn't work if Cage can't sell these two people and then on a meta level we're thinking okay is this just a gag right is this a gag these this charlie and his brother or is it and i think this is more like what what kaufman has done in other things it is a gag but it's a gag that speaks to something that he's feeling he's working through something he feels about himself in the joke of these two brothers you know which which they really played like a gimmick they would not and they would not say publicly at the time whether he had a brother or not and if that brother was alive or not. That was a thing that they did publicly, which is, again, I think it's a gag, but there's something about, like, okay, but think about these two people and what they represent. I think there is something meta going on there because I just think that's what Kaufman
2: does. Yeah. Donald Donald has a writing credit in the credits. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. <laughs> which is very so funny. Ridiculous. I, I think, like, I mean this is like my film school dropout analysis of this show or the show this movie like he like they're both charlie kaufman they're both him not literally like but it's almost played like that like you kind of get like a sixth sense feeling in the back of your head where it's just like i started watching scenes like very carefully to be like oh are like are they both ever addressed in the same conversation like is this actually like he's just one person and like Donald's a figment of his imagination. Like that's always where I go with these movies, but like, yeah, I do think he literally exists in like the scope of the movie, but it's also like, there's just so many layers of meta because like Donald's writing that screenplay. That's like multiple personalities. And Charlie's like, Oh, that's so overplayed. That's such a trope. But like, that's what this movie is. It's about like the two personalities of this one person. It's just like, their neurotic writer who's like all about like high art and like being original, and the other one who just like writes for the masses and is like instantly wildly successful, like balancing those two sides of his personality. Like, that's what I get out of it, and like that character, at least.
0: Oh man, it's so one of the things about adaptation that's interesting, and I want to get y'all's read on it is it is obviously an incredibly meta movie. It's a movie that expresses the anxieties of the very act of adaptation and representation. There's this, you know, there's obviously doubling uh, ideas going on. And uh, in some ways, the relationship between Charles and Donnie makes me think of the concept of doppelgangers and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, And so there is a lot of like uh, meta-textual stuff to think about. It's also such a goofy fucking movie that it's hard to like, have something deep to say about it because it's it, it all feels like a very well executed gag as well you know what i mean like like it's not with synecdoche in new york it's like what is the nature of life you know what i mean and <laughs> adaptation it's like man i bet it would be hard to adapt a book
2: about flowers that's a good point Just, you know adaptation I mean? like,
1: is like a smirk that's what this movie is like to me it's like yeah, a feature-length and it, smirk
2: yeah and I think that's why more people tend to like it like Agreed. there's like okay. counter there's counterbalance to like the absolute despair <laughs> like that's not there in synecdoche like it is, it's a comedy i laughed so much during that movie and it's just like super ridiculous but like there's also just like 40 layers of like meta underneath it if you want to go digging and like if you go digging into a Charlie Kaufman movie, like you'll just be watching YouTube videos for five hours, like, and it's 3am and you're like, what am I doing with my life?
1: (laughs) Which is the true gift of Charlie Kaufman movies. I think.
2: Yeah. (laughs) When we're talking out, uh, when we're talking about Synecdoche, I'll tell you about a YouTube review. I watched of this like five years ago, but that's for later. I
0: love that. Um, (laughs) I do. I do think like one of the things that I love about uh, adaptation is it's a representation to me of the early 2000s like we're in the we're in the time where like people are still remembering fight club you know they're still remembering again being john malkovich they're still remembering these movies that seem to suggest like oh you can be weird you know you can be out of the box and And you can make, like, all the money in the world or at least have a significant cultural impact. You know what I mean? And it won't be long after this when that seems impossible. Like, that – I think there are movies that get made post-99 because that's when Malkovich and Fight Club and a bunch of, you know, The Matrix, all these crazy movies came out in 99. And they open the door, but the door doesn't stay open very long. Like, it's not long before people start to go, well, maybe we shouldn't pay for this because this, this is going to work out. And Adaptation, I just think, is such a post-that-era movie. Um, and it's not a big surprise to me that then when Synecdoche in New York comes out, it doesn't have the same push into the public sphere that Adaptation did. Adaptation, for a movie in which, um, like it's not just that they make up the whole end, right? And it's not even just that he presents a version of himself that isn't real and a brother that doesn't exist. Even the John Malkovich stuff, the fact that they filmed those scenes to look like they were behind the scenes footage of being John Malkovich, when in reality they just redid the whole fucking thing. Like, that level of insanity. And and of course, this is also about Spike Jones, right? Like Spike Jones being able to get away with almost anything he wanted for a while there. You know what I mean? Like, how many people... Like to be a director like Spike Jones, who's like, I'm gonna do adaptation. I'm also gonna hang out with uh the jackass guys. You know what I mean? Like he's it's such a very career. But I think Kaufman is still a part of that story because he still had to sell this fucking concept, right? He had to sell this script. And it's like I don't know if you are selling the without adaptation, like a without the movies that came out in '99 and made a, a ton of money, you're not gonna sell adaptation. Without adaptation, you're certainly not going to sell some of the weird shit that happens later either. So, I don't know. There's just something, like, I think really significant about this movie, even as in some ways the movie itself feels a little bit light, though still fucking hilarious. And with a, iconic Nicholas, I mean, it, it's something to say that a performance from Nicolas Cage is iconic, and it stands above – some of his other performances when he is one of the most memorable actors in the history of movies, as far as I'm concerned, he's just an unbelievable talent, but this performance stands out. And there's only a few of his performances that you're like, that is like all time memorable in his catalog
2: because it is such a insane catalog of performances. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I agree.
2: I think this is my favorite Nicholas Cage performance. I'm trying to think of what my others would even be like, i don't even know moonlighting he's so good in that but he's like kind of it's kind of a small role ish he's not like the main like the lead yeah i don't know it's got to be this like it's it's bonkers he's so he's so good i
0: i might agree with you i i don't know because i don't think i've done a systematic enough thought about it and you know there are certain like older performances that i love like i I, you know kiss uh, of
1: the vampire
0: Oh, yeah, Vampire's Kiss. Kiss. Sorry, sorry. I didn't, yeah, I I was thinking more like uh, Raising Arizona, yeah, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I love Vampire's Kiss, I love Valley Girl, uh, Wild at Heart, too. Yes, 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 yes. Oh man, yeah, remember when we that's what we did with Aaron Dahlbeck, remember, uh, Josh, yeah, so like there's amazing stuff like that, but then you know. Yeah, I mean, I do like the subtlety of like something like Pig. Like, I think he's really great in Pig. Yeah. But I just think this is the role where because it, he is nailing two performances, and oftentimes like that means he's acting to nothing, right? That they're doing some sort of trickery to get him in a scene with himself. That's mm-hmm. huge. That's huge. It's an unbelievable feat. I don't know. This really might be his his best performance, which is saying a lot about Kaufman as a writer, even though he didn't direct this. You know.
1: I will say uh, also, that the unbearable whatever... weight of a uh, massive talent is my favorite Nicolas cage movie. Oh, really?
2: I can't wait. Yeah. Wow.
1: It's so, so, so good.
2: I can't wait. Willow, um, I was going to say, I was going to say like whatever trickery they did to get them both, them both him in the same scene with himself was like so good. I don't seamless. even know what they did. Seamless. It's seamless. Like I can't think of like, I don't know. What's another good one? Oh, like, I'm like Lord of the Rings with like the hobbits and like the force perspective stuff, like keeping track of bylines and like the editing around that has to be just like so difficult. But like, I never, I never saw like a seam. I never like was like, oh, that's green screen. You know, yeah. you can kind of like tell.
1: There's like, never like, a moment when you when you're seen. like, uh-huh. there's never that moment, you know, when you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I see what you did here. Mm-hmm. Like the smug, mm-hmm. like it's sells it the whole time from from front yeah. to back
2: yeah he's just amazing it's the eye lines that sell it like Mm -hmm. he when they're talking to each other they're always looking into each other's eyes and it looks like they're doing that they're not just like looking through each other and like i don't know how you that's part him like you can stage that all you want like put him in the right spot but like that is him selling that he's looking into another human's eyes Hmm. um they must have had a stand-in or something but it was it's it that amazes me tennis ball on a
1: string yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right well we should probably
0: switch to the other movie just to make sure we have enough time although part of me mm-hmm. wonders if Schenectady, new york is so dense that i don't even know what to say
1: about it i that don't even know where not to start a it. reality that liam doesn't know what to say <laughs> about a movie
2: no, Can it is. I say it's, one it's, more thing about adaptation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, we, about the, that's I just, what I meant to say is like, does anyone have any final thoughts? <laughs> I just like, this is a very tiny thing, but like, my favorite, like, low key favorite scene is where um, Susan, like, snorts the orchid dust and gets super high. Yeah. yeah. And oh is on the phone. God. Like, that is the most so tender, ridiculous. like, phone call. It's so good. Like, Meryl <laughs> Streep is a, a queen. She is, like, the greatest. Like, her act, I think acting high is probably very difficult. Like, you could go overboard really really easily but it was like so believable just everything she did that was just like i wonder if she just got super high and then like filmed this scene like that's uh, but yeah i could talk about her in this movie forever i could talk about chris cooper like whew, the best mm-hmm.
0: yeah i think that that I, I i don't want to miss that chris cooper performance which is like uh, it's so good, and it's so different than anything I expected from him. And that character really is re- like there's a reason that I feel like that character carries over into this movie that isn't about the book, really. You know, because it's such an interesting character to bring to life. Uh, if if people are looking for it's something kind of fun, um, every but also few-
1: kind of challenging.
0: Oh no! I was about to say something else, Josh. Oh, oh If uh, if people are looking for something kind of fun, every few years people talk to the author about this movie, you know, because she had to like <laughs> sign on to the fact that she's in this movie and she's not a drug addict who fucked the person she wrote a book about, you know. <laughs> so like, you know, every few years someone goes, oh, "Adaptation, huh?" And most recently, there's a piece that she wrote about well she didn't write but someone wrote it about something she said which is she showed the movie to her son her son's now 16 and the first thing he wanted to know is how much of it was real
1: <laughs> oh no so good
0: Holy i love shit. it i love the idea that he's like all right Bob, tell me what actually happened <laughs> <laughs> she had to be like none of it happened it's all fake <laughs> And she was like, I really did try to kill him.
4: That
0: was all, all real. But I love the idea that she like was like, What if this ruins our reputation? And then had yeah. to be like, Well, hopefully people can figure out it's not real. And part of it is like there's multiple like the acting coach, that's a real guy. You know, obviously mm-hmm. the subject of the book that Chris Cooper plays, that's a real guy. Like there are mm-hmm. so many real people represented in the movie who had to sign off on it that she eventually was like it's fine. It'll be fine. And it, and it has <laughs> yeah. been, it has a rooter. She's written other books. She's, she's got a fine career. Occasionally people ask like, did you really sleep with the, de-? you know what I mean? But for the most part, I think people could figure out like, oh, this isn't actually what happened.
2: I have the book. I wanted to read it before yeah. this, but I didn't have time, but I will get to it eventually.
0: I'm sure it's an interesting book. I don't think it's as interesting as this movie, but I'm sure it's an interesting book.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. But yeah, I'm excited. nonetheless all
1: right changing gears wait one more thing I wanted to say <laughs> oh sorry
0: sorry does anyone yeah. else feel like Chris cooper's character what's this guy this is John something right John LaRoche uh, I John think. LaRoche. Yeah. did anyone just feel like he had undiagnosed ADHD
2: oh absolutely yeah
0: like the whole he, time... he was
2: he was nor- he had, you know he was a neurodiverse person for sure yeah,
0: yeah I was like watching going like isn't this just ADHD? Like, I don't like, she's writing about it. Like it's the most mysterious thing ever. How can he be an expert on so many different things and never fall through on any of them? I'm like, I think I
2: know a lot of people like that. What are we talking about here? Like what's going on? That whole scene where she's talking about like dropping the obsessions. I was like, this could be about me. Like, honestly, (laughs) (laughs) and it it, it hit me hard, but it's just how it is.
0: All right, Josh, what is Synecdoche New York about? Tell us in uh, two sentences.
1: A man directs a play. Got
2: oh, it. That's freaking, the episode. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good.
1: <laughs> that's what it is, right? Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Oh, my God. What a, it's movie.
0: a movie. It's a brilliant it's movie. Uh, it's an amazing movie. It's one of those movies when that, for those of you listening who haven't seen it, which I don't know why you're listening if you haven't seen it, Um, it's one of those movies that when it came out, there were people who said it was the worst thing they'd ever seen. and And other people who were like... This is the best movie of the decade. You know, like, Roger Ebert, before he died, declared it the the best movie of of, uh, the 2000s. What? Like, it's just one of those movies that either it resonates with you or it really fucking doesn't. And it's so, I mean, even before I could figure out if I liked it or not, I was immediately struck by how ambitious it was. Like, once it starts to fold in on itself and it takes its title quite literally, um, I was just immediately like, I can't believe he's doing, I can't believe he's willing to do this. I can't believe he's willing to go here with this. And all of these actors are like the, the reality of these scenes of, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman talking to uh, the person who's playing, you know what I mean? Like the layers of this thing, taking it seriously and playing it out. It's, farcical but not in a way where it's it doesn't have meaning to it you know what I mean right
1: right I mean just the fact that um Hazel lives in a house that's on fire think about that for a moment it's insane and that she dies from smoke inhalation oh my god what a movie (laughs) it's so good
2: so bizarre and that I think that's where it starts to go to like crazy town like that's when you're like oh okay like It's if you're not really paying attention, it actually is super crazy from like the first frame, but you like really need to look. And I think I've seen this like 10 times. So please excuse me if I start nerding out. But like (laughs) time starts getting fucked with like instantaneously. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed.
1: Hell yeah. The timeline in the movie is so convoluted and confusing. And oh, man, it just even though it is so jarring, it's not.
2: It almost makes perfect sense that it not be. You know what I mean? Um, Right at the beginning, like, so he, it starts with him, like, waking up and getting out of bed, right? And then he goes down and he has, like, he goes down to, like, the kitchen with his family. Like, that seems like it's just, like, five minutes in a morning. But, like, months pass in that scene. And it's crazy. Like, if you look at, like, the newspapers and, like, the TV, like, says the date, but it goes from, like, September to, like, November during, like, two minutes and it's like bananas. And that just like keeps happening over and over.
1: I didn't even notice that, but wow. What? the Yeah. Fuck? It's, it's crazy.
0: It's such a brilliant way to represent that feeling of like, there's a sense of like, uh, before things start to get obviously crazy, there's a sense of banality, right? Like even as an artist that his life is in a place where, he's no longer excited about anything that's happening his it's like he's doing the thing and he's worrying about his you know uh possible sickness or death or whatever and that's it that's everything and he doesn't seem too interested in the world around him um at all and 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 then as things change like certain big moments happen but the little things between, it's like time just sluishes past him,
2: and he doesn't even realize it, you know? Yeah. And and that, like, ignoring the outside world just gets, like, amplified as it goes. Like, you know, at the beginning, it starts with he all they can, like, be concerned about is, like, his work and his, like, alleged illnesses that he thinks he has through the whole movie. But by the end, like, I think the apocalypse is happening in the world, like, around 100%. And, like, 100%. Yeah. And, like, and everyone it's, dies. like, never it's never directly addressed and like i think it, the end of the movie is the end of the world essentially but like he couldn't care less i don't think he even knows it happens like he's so self-centered like he's kind yeah. of a, he's kind of a dick like you feel really bad for him but like does he like do a kind thing for anyone in that entire movie like he's just like super selfish and it's it's weird to have that be the protagonist, but it, like, works somehow. But yeah, I know. even weirder is being the person that roots for him, right? <laughs> like, you want him to <laughs>
1: see this whole movie, and he doesn't,
2: right? Yeah, like- he's just cycling through women, like, trying to, like, figure out what's going to make him happy, like, using women. He uses every woman in this movie, like, full-on uses them until the end, I would say. But, mm-hmm. you know, he even uses Hazel along the way until... You know, he realizes she's the one for him, but he's awful.
1: It's funny, the whole the whole catard syndrome thing, it's touched on on the IMDb trivia, but I've definitely Mm -hmm. working in psych for 20 years. I've met people that have been afflicted by the syndrome and uh, (laughs) it's seeing a movie about it is intense. And yeah, uh, yeah, I can only imagine what that must be like to feel that way, to have that thing be a, a problem. a person you know what i mean and to see it in this movie like that is like it 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 definitely spun me you know what i mean like it spun me in a sense of like oh man this is what that person felt like you know that one weird moment you get as like a person that's like a you know former reformed clinician if you will Mm -hmm. and it's it was i don't know maybe that's part of what made this movie so gravely like resonant for me but i again I also love Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't know if oh you my know. God. Yeah, there are yeah. there are three actors that I adore that have three names William H. Macy, <laughs> Philip Seymour yes. Hoffman, and John C. Riley. Like those three uh-huh. actors, nothing that they've done have I ever been disappointed in. Period. Uh-huh. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is like, wow. He's he's so good in this movie as Caden. He's so awesome in this movie throughout the whole thing i just couldn't imagine keeping everything straight in my mind to play the role the way he did
2: yeah he i think this is my favorite performance of his too like it just happened to line up that like both these movies have my two favorite performances but like two of my favorite actors but i don't understand how he did this like yeah he's also just super dedicated like like Nicolas cage is like he throws himself into everything and like you said like how do you keep track of like the layers and like speaking to different versions of different people differently like that is the part that blows my yeah, mind like including yourself I think that the funniest <laughs> yeah. scene though though is the funeral at the
1: end where um Charlie Kaufman is the the priest and he's talking to Philip Seymour Hoffman and they both have the same hair yeah <laughs> yes. uh, he has like that monologue at the fake funeral and then it starts to rain that scene is so good it's like yes it is the gem of this entire movie it's like it's like the scene in um the dead don't die where jim jarmusch is like using the rizza as his mouthpiece and states his whole thesis for the movie like when the rizza delivers the package to the thing that's like this scene in this movie you know what i mean like charlie coffin is showing his barest self in the soliloquy from a person playing a priest at a funeral talking to himself holy shit what how is that a thing that i saw with my eyeballs this morning like i don't understand <laughs> any of it you know what i mean but i also know that like it moved me to the point of tears this morning oh, unbelievable
2: it, it's i feel like every time i watch it i like pull different things out of it like i think it hits you harder when you're older for sure like oh yeah 100 percent. i think when i was younger i was like oh, this is just, like, a really fucked-up, confusing movie. And, like, like with adaptation, I was like, I don't understand this, so it must be good. But, like, you know, with, like, 15 years in between there, like, it's, like this is just about, like, getting old and, like, time moving faster and, like, worrying about, like, will you achieve all you wanted to do in your life? Like, are you just going to die before, like, you do anything good? And, like, that just hits me harder every year. Like, I think about it all the time.
1: I'm not even mad about it. I mean, this came out in 2008. And that's when me and Liam saw it. Oh no, you didn't see it then, did you, Liam?
0: No, I. This is the first time I've ever
1: seen it. Was for this yeah. podcast. I saw it in two thousand eight on a press screener through the Film Society, and it definitely didn't hit. Like I took something away from it then, in as much as I, I was capable of. But watching it now, it definitely is what you're talking about, Willow. Like it is this moment of like pulling your foot out of a stream, especially for people who are creative people, right? Like. I like to think of myself as a person that creates things and having questions of posterity and legacy and presence. That's so beautifully essayed with words that I don't even know in this movie.
0: Yeah. But well, I. there's also the question of representation, right? Like <clears throat> the project of creating a play that basically is a direct replica. I mean, like the literally the, the, you know, synecdody is the, the smaller thing that represents the whole, uh, and in some sense, that's often what art is in and of itself is the smaller thing that's meant to represent the whole and the the paradox of his per- this whole life is like, he's trying to create this thing that is representation, and it gets at the truth. But like, he's pretty... Ignorant of his own life, most of the movie, <laughs> like he's pretty, he's pretty unaware of the the thing, the the very truth and the grit and the whatever it is he's supposed to be representing. He doesn't understand it. He's he doesn't live it. In fact, the closest he gets to life is in this art because he's not really living his his own life. His 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 the only thing that is him is his art. But then it eventually absorbs him, and then he becomes a fucking bit player in it you know oh, yeah.
1: he becomes one he of becomes the comes the cleaning lady yeah oh my god diane wiest in this movie can we talk about diane wiest oh, in this movie man. yes
2: i also so want to talk about cool. i want to talk about ellen at length if i may ellen oh ellen so is good. ellen is like the, the cleaning lady character yeah. that he becomes like this time uh so i haven't seen this in five or six years this is the first time i saw it in a while. Um. And, like, now, at this point in my life, I was like, oh, this is also, like, a trans allegory. And, like, I really honed, honed in on that. I don't know if it was, like, meant to be that way, but that's, like, obviously what I'm pulling out of it, like, being who I am. Um, like, there's just so many little bits and clues, like, for that going on. Like, he gets misgendered. Remember, he has, like, the the seizure on the phone, right? He tries to call Adele in Germany, and she's like, who is it, Ellen? Like, Gets mistaken for Ellen, and then he calls 911 after he's having the seizure. He gets misgendered. They're like, ma'am, are you okay? So, like, that happens. And I think my other big clue that, like, makes me think this is a trans allegory is the therapist, when he when he tells the therapist that, like, oh, I got the MacArthur grant, like, I'm going to finally, like, make my big thing. And she says, like, oh, so you're going to have to find your true self. Uh, and, like, that is where it really clicked for me. And then I noticed also Ellen is the only fictional character in the play everyone else is based on a real person she's wholesale invented and that is just like that slow metamorphosis was just just like hit me so fucking hard this time like it just like made me cry just him cleaning like the room alone like i think oh devastating but also just like weirdly sweet and i'm just like he's gonna be okay like he just gets to be what like she was supposed to be the whole time, you know,
0: this, uh, I I will say this has a similarity to something else we discussed earlier. Right. Because Willow, when you said that for whatever reason, you know, hardcore shows were not a comfortable environment for you. And I was (laughs) like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, that's there's nothing about that. (laughs) This is one of those movies that I love that if someone's like, Oh fuck, man, I just can't with that movie. I yeah. think I might respond. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. <laughs> <Yeah. I> mean, <laughs> Absolutely. There, there are things that I love. Like, for example, Josh, there was a little, you wouldn't know this cause you're never on Twitter. There was a bit of a kerfuffle because someone was talking about how they didn't like, uh, everything everywhere all at once. And another critic who did like it was like, well, maybe you just didn't understand it because you're not Asian like I am. And, uh, and then everyone got real in their bag because they're like, you can't suggest that he's racist just because he didn't like the movie, which isn't technically what the person said, but I get their thing there. But I love that movie so much in a way that's different than this one that I was like, I don't know, anytime a white person doesn't like anything, I think, man, it might be because they're racist. <laughs> you know, like, it's just how I am. I just how I, one of my things. And it's because that's a movie that I love in such a way where I expect other people to feel the same. And if they don't, I'm willing to hear what they don't because I'm a human being, but I'm, you know, I'm a little more, whereas this movie, as much as I love it, I'm like, who could I show this movie to and reasonably expect them to like be stoked? Cause I think there's a lot of people I could show this to and they might be like, what the fuck is this man? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I don't think that would offend me. I think that would be like, yeah, I get it. It's not for everybody. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't think that is a comment on the quality of the movie. This is, truly amazing in my mind amazing filmmaking not just in like what we're seeing which is like you know this is his first this is his directorial debut and it looks great crazy, like crazy just, this is his yeah, debut, unbelievable but also structurally it's really well done how do you tell uh, this kind of story with this many layers with all these reflections upon itself and upon other things and have it work all the way through. Yeah. And, and especially
1: when time is not at play in a yeah. realistic sense Fuck. of the word. It's genius
2: filmmaking. Honestly. I'd say it, the most heartbreaking parts of this movie are like when the time weirdness is like addressed and like called yes, out. Because yes. it's off it's mostly like Caden not understanding it. Like I think the first time he says something about like Adele being gone for like a couple weeks and Hazel's like, she's been gone for a year. We need to get you a calendar. Like that's so that devastating.
1: So brutal. Were
2: or when he goes to Germany, yeah, oh. he goes to Germany and you know, Hazel is like tattooed and is like posing nude for a photograph. Not Hazel, Olive, his oh, daughter. Yeah. Um, And he like screams like she's a fucking four year old and she's like, oh no, she's almost 11. Like also Jennifer Jason Lee's the greatest. Oh, she's so good. So Anyway, good. yeah. Everyone's so good. Catherine Keener. You I know, love There's Catherine even that Keener. moment,
0: though, when, when Olive is dying and he has to confess <gasps> that he left her for a gay lover. And yeah. he just is like, I'll just say whatever, like whatever you yeah. want. That is so, that whole thing is so hard.
1: Yeah, and that yeah. she doesn't forgive him. And that she
2: doesn't forgive oh, him. Oh, <laughs> my
1: sweet baby Jesus. What a moment. And then the, the tattoo falls off of her arm. Just that whole yeah. thing is like,
2: I mean, it's so real and surreal at the same time. That part made me question some things about the movie. It's something I didn't pick up pick up on. I was like, "What if like they didn't leave him, and he actually did leave them, and it's all like a delusion?" Like yeah. that's what I was starting yeah. to wonder. Yeah,
0: no. it's, I hard, mean, I, it's hard to say. It's hard. It, I I literally was like, I don't know. I don't know if what we're getting here is just this idea that she's been poisoned against him or if in Mm -hmm. reality, no part of him is a trustworthy narrator, which, by the way, is believable. But it also makes the fact that he is the director. He is there is almost nothing to him other than being a director. He has no other humanity. And so the idea that he (laughs) can't even get the details right of anything and he can't represent them to us, the audience, (laughs) is like that much more like, fuck, what is even happening right now?
2: um Ugh. that kind of folds into like do you want to hear my crazy bonkers theory about this my overarching theory for sure. what's happening yes i'm not sure if this is an original thought or if i pick this up somewhere um i think that the entire movie is the play it's like the first layer and the philip seymour hoffman at the beginning is like an actor and we just like don't see the original caden like you know what i mean oh wow like the movie itself is the play and it like just starts from there
1: and it blows that's blowing my mind right now dude yeah that's a a lot
2: that is whoa i have to send you send you all the link to this like one hour and 40 minute youtube review of this movie that i watched a few years ago because it is like it blew my mind so hard
0: i mean i at some level i was already thinking that because even though i think it's Not him. I'm also like, in what Mm -hmm. ways is Philip Seymour Hoffman just Charlie Kaufman? You know, (laughs) yeah. It's also I mean
1: to think that this entire movie is an echo is legitimately blowing my mind right now.
0: (laughs) It's worth noting that this movie started off as a horror movie that. They they were actually given money to co-write a horror movie. Uh, and they started this project together and then eventually Spike Jones left to go make Where the Wild Things are and Charlie Kaufman's like, I'm gonna finish the script and I'm gonna direct it. And it became this, which is in a sense a horror movie, but not in the sense that anyone means. It is it is I believe it. Yeah, it is it is a kind of horror, but it is not the kind of horror that the genre of horror would be good at. It's yeah. like the 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 deep existential dread like i often think deep existential dread is well represented in horror and this mm-hmm. one is so specific that a horror movie would fail to get at it as well as this drama abstract avant-garde drama does you know this is yeah. the in my mind the best way to get at what we're supposed to be feeling about this movie
2: yeah i got jump scared in this movie by like uh <laughs> oh my gosh what's his name samuel the guy who ends up playing him like what um, who follows yes. him throughout the yeah movie? The tom, tom noonan who uh yeah. people, People may remember Tom
0: Noonan was in Manhunter as the Red Dragon. And then later on, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in Red Dragon, the remake of Manhunter. Right.
2: Um, swirling he, circles. Yeah, he jump scared me like from being in the background once and I was kind of embarrassed. I like embarrassed myself to myself. <laughs>
0: Very, very creepy. I love Tom Noonan in that role. And one of the things that this movie does that people will recognize is the idea of echoes and circles and there are patterns, but then the patterns get broken. So like the idea of Mm -hmm. Tom Noonan actually jumping being a break in the pattern and the the Mm -hmm. despair from Philip Seymour Hoffman. I never jumped. I never actually jumped. Like Tom Noonan can't have any of his own motivations or, or human being. Like that's that's the that's the that's the crime. There is not the suicide. It's that it doesn't represent reality. Yeah. Oh, uh,
2: I read a crazy theory that like um, the suicide attempt actually succeeded, and the rest of the movie is like him in purgatory. But I think that's like an easy out for a lot of movies. Like, oh, he's dead the whole time. Yeah. I don't believe that one. Uh,
0: I only I only believe that in the case of uh, Moana, where she clearly dies in the storm, and then everything else after that, she's dead. Yeah. Oh. Like I
2: think. There are movies where that happens, but it's not this one. This one's too nuts, and that like cheapens it. I think. Josh, I don't
0: think that's actually what happens, but I did realize what time watching it. I'm like, "Fuck, this movie still works if she's dead after the storm, and everything else is the afterlife." <laughs> that's still, the movie still works that way, which is kind of sad because I don't think that's on purpose. Shh.
1: <laughs> My mouth is still dry from thinking about this movie as an echo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. Let's let's do some final points here only because we're we're getting not too far from 2 hours and I think that we this is one of those movies you can talk about forever but I don't know you know this isn't a Jodorowsky movie in that it's all just symbolism and it's not worth decoding like I think there is stuff at play here but I do think mm-hmm the inclination that some people will have watching this movie to be like, I will, de- I will find the master key to decode the whole, that's not really what this is about. I think you're better right. off starting off with how it makes you feel and what it makes you think about, and then going from there. But I'm sure we still have some final insights to share or things we noticed or important points to make before we wrap up. Uh, what is, uh, one of
2: the more fun conversations we've had in a while, I think. Ooh. Um, Oh, what else do I have? I'm trying to think. Oh, I have so many notes written down. I like can't even pick. Like, there's the, so the many things. The idea of happen.
0: Michelle Williams playing herself. She's the only person who plays herself in the play. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I love that. And then she quits,
1: and it's so good. And she's still in the play.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's a scene toward the end where like, Caden uh, Prime, the first one, <laughs> is like. <laughs> directing a rehearsal with her and Samuel, like the, the first Caden actor, and they're, like, acting out an argument that clearly happened, like, earlier that day. Um, so it's, like, still fresh in her mind, and she says, like, half the lines to original Caden, and half the lines to the actor, and, like, that's where things break down, and, like, everything gets blurred, because, like, everything has already happened, but it's being acted out in front of him, and, like, things are being said to him and about him and it's just like it gets so wrapped in on itself at the end that's it's the like
0: scene where he says i didn't say it he did as if that yes the whole point of but this you thought is it. to get at yeah. the truth so if he says mm-hmm. it you might as well have said it you motherfucker yeah oh you know also and the then sure he hands her the note that
2: says you think you might be gay and she just looks at it and <laughs> says fuck you She's like is like i'm 45 years old <laughs> i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> which made me laugh i don't know if i should have laughed at that but i thought it was funny
4: yeah.
2: uh yeah shortly after that it gets real crazy because he finds the warehouse inside of the warehouse and then just starts walking through like the russian nesting doll of like you know because eventually the play gets staged inside of the play so they have another huge warehouse and then inside of that is another huge warehouse where they're staging the play again and like I don't know. I feel like he reaches the center and then he dies. Like that's kind of how it ends to me. When he finds the map that has the map in the map. Yes. (laughs) So good. Oh, just that last scene with the mother from like the dream, and she's also in the commercial at the beginning. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes. Uh, It's like the mom when he's like in like the the fake like medication commercial where he's like playing frisbee or whatever. (laughs) Like she's like the mom in that commercial. Nope. And then like the it. girl's supposed to be Ellen and he is Ellen. It's just like so bonkers and like folded folded in on itself and my head hurts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so do you have any closing thoughts for us, Willow, on these two movies and Charles Kaufman in general?
2: Um yeah, I think like don't try to figure it out. I think that's. I think maybe Liam, you were kind of saying that. Like, don't look for like the key to the movie. Like, nothing will unlock these for you. I think adaptations a lot more straightforward, as like wild sure. as that yeah. is. But like, there's no secret that you can reverse engineer like what he meant. Like, that's not the fun of the movie. I think the fun is in like amb- ambiguity and talking about things. Like, I think when there's an answer, it's like not fun. You know, it's just, it's not. I love debating and like having yeah. it. You know, finding out what it means to other people and like figuring out things that like, oh, I didn't see that, but you did because like you went through these events like that's just, that's why I love movies like this, because they mean a million different things to a million different people. I think that's especially
0: true with Synecdoche for me, because I think one of the ways that people avoid thinking about life and death and the meaning of life and all the there's so much deep stuff at play in that movie it'd be easy to avoid those topics by trying to figure out what it means in like a more direct sense you know and like I as much as there are so many like th- there are so many things going on in synnectady that in some sense I wonder if Charlie Kaufman's like doing it so he can pull it off you know what I mean like there might be some sense of like I'm gonna make this thing this thing is gonna be, much like the warehouse and the warehouse and the warehouse, it's going to be amazing that I even pulled this fucking movie off. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I think focusing too much on all that also is a way to avoid being like, in what ways am I a self-involved narcissist? In which ways am I just building mm-hmm. in on things that like are repetitive? You know, the one of the one of the most intense parts to me, and maybe it just flies past other people, is when he's doubling down on the it's all going to be real and we're going to tell the truth and that and someone says it's been 17 years when are we going to get an audience yeah there's something about that that like all of i wouldn't say i should say all of us but a lot of people that we all know have something like this that (laughs) if anyone involved in it could say it's been 17 years when is anyone going to know about this thing you know what I mean? I certainly have things that I started or I meant to start or I was hoping to start or I have ideas for whatever whatever excuse I want to give myself that I never even got going on that will probably go away when a voice says in my ear,
1: die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that line is the perfect distillation of my entire musical career.
4: <laughs> oh, stop, that's not true. When are we
1: going to get an audience, though? But um, I think that the 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 trick if there was one is that Charlie Kaufman is just as much a part of the audience for both of these movies as we sure are. yeah and the mm-hmm. gift is the gift of agency to the viewer right because he's taking it in as it develops as well which is the echo of this movie which I think is what I just thought of when Willow told us the echo theory
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's the fact that like As much as it is his creation, it's also his passion to view, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's the trick of the movie. And I think that's what resonates about movies like being John Malkovich and, you know, eternal sunshine. Like there's, there's a playfulness at play. That is the giddiness of the, of, of a self-discovery almost that Charlie Kaufman gets to watch this with an audience that also gets to watch this and that everybody has the same type of like responsibility but also reflection to figure it out for themselves. And I think that's that's masterful filmmaking, right? Like that's what makes a great director a great director. Yeah. And he that-
2: he is just like I don't know, is he like one of the greatest living? Writers in film. I think he is. And he exclusively writes film. It's not like, oh, he wrote novels and then he started writing like screenplays. He just, that's his art and he's so good at it. And I'm glad he exists. I'm glad he made, Man. decided to be a writer because my life's better for it for sure. Ugh. Well,
0: thank you so much for coming on and for pushing us in this direction. I don't know, Josh, I think you'll agree with me. I don't know if we were ever going to get to Adaptation and Synecdoche. You know what I mean? Like, I guess we could have got there on our own, but having a guest on, part of the reason we love having a guest on is them encouraging us, like you coming on and encouraging us to talk about something that maybe we wouldn't have gotten to if, if you didn't
2: push us that way. Left to our own devices. Yeah, yeah i'm very happy to have helped and i will help more when we do titanic when i come back
1: <laughs> Yay, that's gonna be a great God conversation damn. look look
2: look it's I just
1: gonna be liam squealing yeah it's great and it's gonna be two hours of liam being like but i can't get on board <laughs> it's gonna be so good
0: just the other day somebody you was know, getting mad at me because they were like james Cameron's a great director and i was like he is he is all right if you say so."
2: Not getting on board would have really helped you if you had a ticket for the Titanic. Uh, Fucking Titanic! The only
0: part of Titanic that ever made me emotional is the shot of the all the poor people who don't get to get off the boat because they're in the lower decks, and there's a couple who cuddles. That part I started crying, and the the young lady I was seeing the movie with who spent all the parts with fucking what's his name. Leo uh, on the thing, she's crying for him the whole end of the movie. When that part happened, I started getting emotional. She's like, "What are you all upset about?" That's what she said to me. Mm. (laughs) And I was like, "What? This is the part of this is the emotional part
1: of the movie." She's like, "Oh, I guess." And then the whole part. See that? See that? That's why. That's why you showed her the door. Again, I I didn't actually, (laughs) Uh, but I probably should have. That's that's fair. So Willow, is there anything that you're working on that you'd like to plug, other than Coaster Punks? Coaster Punks, go
2: follow. Yeah, please follow me on Instagram. You can. I've never gotten to say that. That's so exciting. Go follow me. Yeah. Uh yeah, you can follow Coaster Bunks. You can follow Snowing on Instagram also. It's Snowing the Band, uh very originally named. Uh yeah, I don't know. If you like that band, maybe watch that space, maybe we'll be doing something soon. I don't know. Can't Yay. confirm or deny. <laughs> um yeah, I think that's it. That's all I really do. I just I'm, I'm an adult with a job now and sometimes I play music. <laughs>
0: Well, we're so glad that you would come on and share some of your uh, nerdy passions with us since that is is what—that is the fuel that makes the show run. Uh, <laughs> and I really appreciate uh, Coaster Punks. I wish I um, had the time to go do coasters the way that you are. I mean, don't be wrong. Like, I, I do get to go occasionally, but uh, yeah. just getting to go and try out coasters, oh my gosh, enjoy it. That's so yeah. awesome.
2: Well, next time you get out here, I'll take you to great adventure. It'll be great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah i do like great adventure although i did
0: spend a lot of my time as a kid at dorney park oh that's time. my home
2: i know i grew up I 10 know.
0: minutes away i know <laughs> who you, you never want to go back to to the, the home field on that in the same way but
1: <sighs> yeah. no, thank you
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey y'all thanks for listening uh do us a favor and rate review and subscribe find us on social media we're at cinepunks C-A-N-E, on uh, instagram facebook and twitter
1: thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you later smoke bomb do you like spooky movies hair raising tales insightful, insightful criticism
2: judgmental hot takes then you're gonna love car business the horror podcast and the cinepunks podcast network dedicated to all things weird and spooky my name is Leo Donald. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not so favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these
0: movies great or maybe not great. <laughs> Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain.
2: So if we have to suffer through it, so do you.
0: Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products. <laughs>